Hey everybody, and welcome to the 50th episode of the Wilderness Tamer podcast. Thank you for your continued support. I truly appreciate it. Now, my guest this week is Randy Cooling, and to say that he is an avid outdoorsman is an understatement. This man is a world traveler with bow in hand hunting all the huntable continents that are possible. Now, before I let y'all go to enjoy this episode, let me give a quick shout out to the sponsors of the show. First off is Dry Pocket Apparel. They are the future of swimwear that come with an integrated dry bag as a pocket with a self-sealing magnetic strip that is certified to go 100 feet down. And it will keep your phone dry as a bone. So go check them out on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and as well as drypocketapparel.com. Now, while you're on their website and you're looking for something and you see what you want, Use promo code WILDERNESS to get you 25% off your order. And I mean, y'all, I'm wearing the shorts right now. Got off of work a little early. Me and the wife took the kids to a pool, dried off. I mean, these things are as comfortable as gym shorts. Even with the dry bag pocket, you don't even notice it. Now, the dry bag backpack that is self-sealing, one of its kind, will be available this June. So put in your pre-order now, and it will be available soon. I want to thank Mr. Randy for coming on. I really enjoyed the conversation. And again, thank you to the audience for supporting this show. Y'all have a good rest of y'all's week and a great weekend. Hey, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 50, Stalking a Polar Bear. You're listening to the Wilderness Tamer podcast, and thank you so much for tuning in. Now, my guest this week is Randy Cooling. He is a stick bow hunter that just got back from a bear hunt and just not any regular bear hunt, a freaking polar bear hunt. So let's get him on the phone and get this podcast rolling. Good evening. Hey, how are you? Doing fine. Thank you Finally for coming on. <laughs> oh, yeah, my pleasure. Man, it looks like you've had a pretty busy season. <laughs> <laughs> it's starting out pretty good. <laughs> I'd say so. So if you want to, just a quick introduction of yourself, and then we'll get into it. Oh, well, I, uh, you told him it's Randy Cooling, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm a, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, uh, I've been bow hunting quite a while. Uh, I started deer hunting in uh 1974 i was 14 years old and i've been at it ever since i mostly hunt with a recurve i have used a compound way way back in the past mm -hmm. a little bit but now everything i do is with a black widow recurve i heard that those black and, widows are those things are pretty nice bows aren't they oh yeah yeah i've been somebody somebody asked me the other day how long i've been shooting them and I can remember in my head that I shot a moose in uh, 1991 with one. Holy crap. Uh, so it's been been a long time, and I think I shot one before that. I, I just keep forgetting to look it up and see. But, <laughs> hey, that's but, pretty cool. Uh, I, mean, that's, I mean, they're the talk of the archery world for sure, or traditional archery. Yeah. Yeah, no, they're they're great bows. And, uh, and uh, they're really, 
really good guys that uh, own it now, and uh, they've had it for quite a few years now. They bought it from Ken Beck, but okay. uh, they're just really great people, and the customer service down there is super. So uh, hey, can't argue with we, that, especially we, nowadays. No, <laughs> yeah, no, we've be, we've become really good friends over the years, and uh, and that. So uh, yeah. I could I, I could never see myself changing now, especially. Yeah, that's right now. I got a, Mon- a Fred Bear Montana longbow. I like it, mm-hmm. but it's like shooting a two before. I mean, I'm I can shoot out to thirty with it comfortably, which it was hitting uh-huh. a bag at sixty the other day or this weekend with my cousin. So. But oh, wow. I was just plinking. Yeah. <laughs> we were just messing around up. But anyways, I'm just I want to yeah. get something that's collapsible eventually and still even shoot about fifty pounds because it's at I got a sixty pounder right now and it's pretty stout. Yeah, it takes some getting used to. I mean, forever I thought you needed seventy pounds, and up until about oh I don't know seven years ago or so, I was I was uh, shot seventy pounds my whole life. Yeah. Well, that's what and I got. I, I knew it'd be able to fling an arrow and it'd go right through an animal. Yeah. It's and I, some... I always like shooting fairly light arrows out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, cause I, I always kept my speed up around 210 feet per second and stuff to Damn. 215. That's moving. Yeah. That's With pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. For a, for a hunt and recurve it is. And, and, but you had to shoot fairly light arrows, mm-hmm. you know, to do that too. Or what some people consider light. I don't, I, I shoot 500 grain, about 500 grain arrows all the time. That's what I'm shooting now. And I, I just really like that. Yeah. It seems it, that it, sometimes with a broadhead, they fly perfect, but with a field tip, sometimes they'll get a little wonky, but it just depends. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know, but I, I always, yeah, everything I, and I shoot just little two inch, uh, vein tech HPs. They same size as a blazer, but they're softer. Okay, so they're not a feather, they're more of a synthetic vein? Yeah, plastic vein. Okay. Just a plastic vein, yeah. They're only two inches long. They're a half inch high. And I uh, I quit shooting feathers, oh, I don't know how many years it's been now. I was brown bear hunting on a, on a a off a boat, <laughs> and it rained every day and stuff, and my feathers were flat all the time. Yeah, and I learned I that fought down it, here. fought it, yeah, so I decided... On that hunt, I came home and I must have bought ten or twelve different kinds of veins, plastic veins, and I uh, I tried them all, and it came out in the end that these little vein tech HPs mm-hmm. flew the best because I was shooting off the shelf then yet too. So yeah, see that's what I'm doing, and I for same reason I've been trying to find a vein that actually works. So I'll probably get a box and dry them out. Yeah, you can get those at Lancaster. Okay, cool. Um, no, I uh you know, run off in tangents so much, but I, uh, I worked on elevators and escalators for 42 years. Oh, wow. From doing that. And I own Safari Tough archery right now. Oh, and okay. we manufacture bow cases, uh, finger tabs and sell some other items in that, but I have different, different models of bow cases and that for, for trad bows right now. Oh, that's anyway. cool. And like I've, yeah. I've listened to you before on the Stickbow Chronicles because when I got I picked up a Stickbow about two years ago I've shot compound my whole life, but uh-huh. I feel like I've rediscovered archery again because I shot tournaments <laughs> and I got burned out on it, but I feel like a little kid with that Stickbow. Oh yeah, yeah. It's just 
I, I just really like hunting with them. I like shoot. I like shooting stuff with my recurves. What it yeah, is. At too. least if you ain't seen an animal, there is a stump somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh shoot. Yeah. So kind of where'd you, uh, you're talking about when you're younger, hunt whitetail hunt, where'd you cut your teeth hunting? Yeah, I, I grew up in Iowa. Oh, a good and, state. Yeah, and so I I lived there most of my life. Um, and uh, moved to Syracuse, New York for about three years in the late 90s. And then in 2000, I moved to Michigan. I live, I live in Dexter, Michigan now, which is by Ann Arbor. Okay, and, I can, but they got, uh, it, they, I've heard they had good hunting out there too. <laughs> yeah, it's there's there's quite a few deer and stuff, but the quality of deer rack wise isn't isn't all that great. Oh, okay, it's pretty tough. I mean, they kill some good ones here, but but it's not that good. I I have a little lease here. I hunt a little bit, but I uh, I go back. I I have a lease in uh, Missouri that I hunt on the Iowa border. I was just in Missouri last week for work. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, it was around Springfield yeah. and all over there, which we drove all over the state. Oh, you were right by Black Widow then. Oh, I was? Dang, I should have stopped by then. You should have. They always take people in and show them around a little bit. They're, uh, in, Nick, they're in Nixon, Missouri. Okay. Which is just south of Springfield, just, just a little bit. Oh, man, we drove 2,500 miles. We went all oh. over the state. <laughs> Oh, another five or ten one to killed you. Nope, I would have definitely gone to that. <laughs> that is crazy. I wish I would have known that. Yeah, that's I know. Bad. Being up there, I, it made me decide I'm probably gonna make Missouri my first out out of state hunt. I've hunted uh-huh. everywhere in Georgia, but it's time either this year I'm gonna try and go somewhere. Yeah, it's a it's a good place to uh, for the for non residents because you can just buy a. a tag you get two deer and two turkeys um for i think it's around 250 dollars or something like that that ain't bad at all no and and the but one of the deer can be a buck before rifle season mm-hmm. and then after rifle season uh, if you shoot two the second one's got to be a antlerless okay. and then after the rifle season you can shoot another buck oh, on that cool. second well, that's why I oh, definitely yeah, want to go over pretty... and hunt with my bow. For, I was just, and I like to go the more. We went even went down to the Boot Hill area, is what he called it. And there wasn't a whole huh. lot down there, so I think I'd stick more to the mountainous side. Yeah, yeah. I, the only place I've ever hunted Missouri really is up on the Iowa border. Okay. I, I, when I lived there, we drive down and hunt Missouri early season, and then Iowa. Now that I can't, I have a farm in southern Iowa, but. Uh, I can only draw a tag to hunt it uh, in that November time frame uh, every five years because I'm not a resident. Really? Man, that sucks. Yeah. Even though you're yeah. a landowner? <laughs> Dang. Yeah. yeah. They, they like my money and that for my taxes and stuff, but oh, yeah. they're not going to get a deer tag, you know? That's good old government. They just take and take yeah. and take. <laughs> but I can I can get a late season tag. It's a They call it a muzzle loader tag but it's good for muzzle loader handgun or bow and you can do that and that's like around december 17th till january 10th oh, so okay. i decided so i could start hunting there more i'm just going to start going <laughs> and hunting their late season yeah georgia extended their season for archery this year and we're kind of glad because we only had like three days of cold weather like you can count on one hand 
<laughs> yeah, it was, it's been hot, man. It touched like maybe 80, 90 degrees, and it got down to like maybe 30, if that. Oh, oh wow. Yeah, it sucked. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse yep. me. But uh, So when did you get into Western hunting? Because it sounds like you're talking about brown bear and all this, and especially the polar oh, bear, I, which we'll get into. Yeah, <laughs> I, I started hunting elk in 1981. See, that's, Colorado. that's high on my list there. I want to do that bad. Yeah, I I love elk hunting. I've I've hunted there. I've hunted elk almost every year since 1981, and sometimes twice. And there was a couple years I missed. One of them because I uh, was brown bear hunting in Alaska, and the way it worked out, I couldn't get out elk hunting that year. Um, but uh, I I just. And I, I do elk on my own normally. Yeah. Uh, and that, so it's it's harder. It's harder to get bigger bulls. Mm-hmm. I uh, Arizona elk this year. So I'm going to go down there and plan. The season's only two weeks. So I'm planning on going down there and uh, staying the whole two weeks. And, Is that uh, about the time, like you say, that's a, or about the time you need to hunt to be effective? Pardon me? Is that, would you say two weeks is about a good time you need to plan out to be effective I would, elk hunting? Yeah, I would take at least, make sure I have a good 10, 12 days of hunting. Yeah, because it takes a while sometimes uh, to even find the animals. Yeah, if you haven't been there. Now, places that I've hunted, I I can get right into elk normally. Uh-huh. But you see that first year you go, you end up learning the area. Yeah, the, it's a, the best, it, it takes a few yeah, years to learn a uh some land <laughs> yeah not not too bad i mean what you got to do is just get out and hike and walk and walk and walk and yeah. walk and always wonder what's over the next hill yes yeah, so i got that wanderlust myself i sometimes walk yeah. too far and i'm like oh shit i got a long way to walk back <laughs> yeah well yeah and that's just it but that's that's the only way you know i can really tell you that that uh you're gonna find them because elk are you know i always say elk are where they want to be Mm-hmm. And you can be in some areas that look like they'd just be loaded with elk and not see nothing. Dang. So, you know, dark timbers, and you get in there, and it's just, oh, there's got to be something in here, and then not see any sign. So, you know, it's just a matter of covering ground. I heard that. Uh, when you're hunting on your own like that, you know, mm-hmm. do it yourself kind of thing. Yeah, but I'm the or same way. Can... I'm more of a solo hunter myself. Yeah, me too. I'm, I'm, I, <sighs> I, it's hunting elk. If you got somebody, a good hunting buddy, in that, it's actually probably a little better if you can get one guy calling and one guy sitting up ahead. Mm-hmm. Kind of use turkey hunting method in a way. Yeah, well, the elk will come in and they'll get so they'll get just so close, and if they don't see another elk, a lot of times they'll they they'll want to turn and leave. Yeah, they probably know something's up. They say I should be seeing something right now. So you want to stay hit pretty well and in thicker timber and stuff like that because if they if they if like like if you call one in across the park and he comes up to the park on one edge and you're on the other and it's 200 yards across there the chances of him walking across the open and coming to you is not very good Mm -hmm. um i have had him come out you know i mean things can happen you know and then there'll be somebody say well i called one out across the park and that's fine but i've i've had way more hang up and stuff or or a deep ditch even yeah they'll hang up that's what um, kind of like turkey hunting I, or excuse me i'm interrupt go ahead <laughs> no i mean you can 
you can have things that like like a deep ditch that you don't even see between him and you. Yep. And you'll wonder why he hung up, and then you take off after him, and then you see that it just didn't take. And sometimes they'll come right across him. Yeah. You just you just don't know, you know. Well, kind of like with me and turkey 100%. hunting. Well, like I'll try and get as close as I can without being busted. Yeah. But yeah, and that's that's a good thing to do with elk too. Yeah. When you hear them, just don't try and call them right in. Try and get in as close as you can. Mm-hmm. And another good thing I have very good luck with is imitating them. Whatever exact imitate the exact cadence they do, the exact sounds, mm-hmm. and that trying to sound exactly like them, and that that seems to uh, that it can irritate them. Yeah. Do you bugle a lot, or do you do it when they call back? Um, I don't. I bugle to locate them, uh-huh. um, and it it just depends. There's so much that comes with just doing it a lot and knowing when to do it. And mm-hmm. some some you can, you you can get them so wound up that you can't even bugle and they'll cut you off. <laughs> That's awesome. And 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 I you know I've had them like that. For, that, that they'll come at you. Oh, you cut um, out for a second, but it's good. Oh, you're uh, good. Yeah, you just, oh, okay. Um, but but then again, a lot of times you hear elk screaming and stuff, and they don't come, and they don't come, mm-hmm. and there's a good chance they have some cows with them. Yeah. And they're just moving along with the cows, or the cows are going to get out of there, and they follow her. Yeah. Or, uh, you know, it's just, it's just, there's just so many things to it, and, and that, you know, and the bulls that are easier to call in usually are like a, a small raghorn satellite bull. Um, hey, I'll be grinning ear to that, ear if I could get one of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's 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 just great though. And and I, I if it wasn't for them screaming, I probably wouldn't like them like hunting them so much. Oh, I could only when imagine they, when they. Yeah, when they aren't screaming, I don't enjoy it near as much. I imagine you probably feel that in your chest when they're right there on you. Oh, it's. Yeah, it's it's just awesome. What's I the mean, biggest I, bull I, you've uh, killed? Um, I got one that's two eighty seven. Oh yeah, that's a real good one. It's it's nice, but like this Arizona hunt, I I I hired I even hired a guide for the two weeks to call for me and stuff. That's yeah, and, smart because Arizona's and, got big ones. Yeah, and I I burnt twenty points for this tag. Holy crap! So, when did you put in it, for it? Pardon me. When did you start putting in for it? Twenty years ago. Holy cow! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I burned a lot of a lot of tags, tags and stuff. Like Colorado, I dang. A couple years ago, I had twenty four points for. Um, I I drew a moose tag in Wyoming with thirteen points. I drew a bighorn tag in Wyoming with twenty twenty three points. I think. So, Dang, so it, I need to start I, I now then. Don't I <laughs> yeah, I, I recommend guys start applying, but anymore, I'm not sure they're not going to screw with uh, how they handle it and handle these point systems and that. Yeah. Uh, I forget what state it was. I heard they were going to be changing up, and it was going to, I think, Wyoming, but I'm not sure. They're going to start making it harder. And all these guys have been applying and, and buying points for 20, 25 years. I don't know how. Might have a ride on their hands for that. Yeah, you know, they, they better watch start. out. Don't mess with hunting now. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I've just been to the point where uh, 
fortunate enough, you know, I did, I, I, I took it upon myself to start buying points that long ago and it's gave me some really good hunts and, and really good tags. Oh, it sounds like it. <coughs> Excuse me. Some yeah. Now out of all the Western States have you hunted, which one are you like the most passionate about or look forward to going back to? Um, I, I mean, I, I've hunted Colorado more than anywhere, but you just don't go to Colorado looking for big bulls. Yeah, for um, me, it'd just be the scenery. I'd be fine just walking around there. Yeah, it's. I mean, they're all they're all neat in their own way. I hunted Idaho, Idaho for about seven years in a row, and there got to be too many people. And mm-hmm. um, I've hunted Montana a lot, the mountains of once, and then I hunt the Missouri breaks, <laughs> which total different kind of elk hunt. You're hunting flat ground, flat river bottoms. Really? With uh, willows in them. It's, it's hunt than normally what you think of for elk. Does, how did y'all, uh, did y'all DIY, DIY or did you hire a guy? Yeah. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. I I do that everywhere. I I shot a Roosevelt elk with a guide out in uh, Oregon. Oh, wow. Um, But... I don't think I've ever had a guide for any other elk hunt. And I've been, like I say, I've been on, I've, I've been doing it for 30, 30 yeah. some years. Well, that's why I've been kind of tossing around the idea for my first hunt. I was like, maybe I should do one, just kind of learn something. But then well, on the other side of me, I'm like, ah, oh, screw it. I, I think I can get it done. There's, there's, you know, there's a few ways you can look at it. Um, when I was younger and didn't have hardly any money, I always look at it like, well, I can do it on my own, take the time, you know, and at least I get out there. I get to see the scenery. I get mm-hmm. to hike around. I get to look for up. Where if you want a guide and you don't have the money and you got to save for it, you're missing out on lots of years. Of, you could be hunting too, you know, yeah. going out there and learning and elk hunting. Mm-hmm. So it all, you know, it just depends on what you want your priorities to be. Well, that's, uh, I'm leaning more towards do it yourself. So that's why yeah. I do this podcast. I'm trying to gather as much information to kind of get me ahead of the curve a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's getting harder. I mean, there's, there's, it's, it's hard. You know, there's a few, uh, over the counter places left in Colorado and stuff. Yes. Um, I did hear that. They, Didn't they change the laws on that? Well, no, there, there's still some. The zone I was hunting over the cor- over the counter went to draw this year. Dang. So um, I, it might be better. That place was just getting packed with people. That is true. And the Instagram, found, my internet's kind of blown it up. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know. The, all you hear is about number hunters numbers down, but everybody that hunting must be hunting elk or i do or something because <laughs> you're in a hot spot <laughs> yeah i i mean i it's it's gotten it's gotten terrible dang and and everywhere uh it's driven me out of spots because of people yeah that's just gonna drive the yeah. animals deeper in the woods too yeah and that and people do that too uh, this all this backpacking stuff these guys are doing and Snyder promoting that Aaron Snyder and South Cox and oh yeah, getting deeper and all that because I I used to be able to get a couple miles off the road and you wouldn't see anybody but it's not like that anymore. Yeah, you think you're Guys, just far enough and look over there's a campsite. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just you run into just run into people. Yeah, no, it is so, what it is. 
nice about having like this Arizona tag is public ground, but it's but it's still, you know, there's not going to be that many, mm-hmm. you know, that many hunters. I'm sure there'll be hunters. I'm sure I'll see some hunters, but uh, but you have a chance to get a dandy out there though. I mean, that Arizona is like one of the hardest states to get a tag in, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's this this zone normally took about 14 points to draw and i got a good friend that had 14 points we were just talking he said he didn't draw and it turned out he put in for the exact same zone i did with 14 and 14 drew last year and then i told him i i i jumped in there with 20 and must have booted him out oh crap yeah it's not your time man yeah sorry buddy but i meant five points sooner i guess i don't know it is what it is but uh so when no, you, and I, or go ahead pardon me no, i i elk i i like hunting all over i've hunted almost every province in canada and mm-hmm. i've been ask a lot i've hunted uh every huntable continent uh in the world Damn. and uh really so yeah i i love traveling i mean i love getting out and hunting different things oh for sure i'll say it sounds like you're living the life i'm fixing i'm working up to building the life for it <laughs> yeah. yeah no i've i've uh i've shot ibex in spain i've shot red stag in argentina oh that's awesome been to new zealand australia i shot a water buffalo oh how was that to... pardon me i said how was that hunt Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I went up and hunted in Aboriginal land in Northern Australia. Oh, wow. Stocked water buffalo. That is really uh, cool. It it was neat. It was really neat. That was a a great time. Oh, I bet. Now, when did you start getting into bear hunting stuff? Is it around the same time of elk hunting or just kind of like? Yeah, I think I I went bear hunting for the first time like around 85, black bear hunting. Okay. I, I got to still get me a black bear, and I'm looking to do that this year as well, go up to about LJ, Georgia. It's like the bear capital of the world. Or not world, Georgia? sorry, Georgia. Yeah, <laughs> not world. Oh, wow. It's the bear capital of Georgia. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go there and north, try it out. On yeah. Yeah, no, that'll be, that'll be good. Yeah, so I'm kind of interested. I don't know how I'm gonna, my cousin went and killed one, and he said it was a pretty intuitive process, but he said it was fun. Do you bait them there? Or? I think you can, but I don't think you can hunt over it. I think the bait has to be gone or something like that. We like our season's only like a week, and it oh, ranges wow. in certain areas or areas of Georgia. Uh huh. It's really restricted down here. You don't get a lot. Oh, I'll be darned. Yeah, but for whitetail, you can shoot whatever like ten does and two bucks for the whole season. Pretty liberal with that. Yeah, yeah, I knew that. <laughs> So tell to me about this polar bear hunt. How in the world do you gotta call the Coke factory to get a tag? What you how's that even get started? What's that? I said how to get this polar bear hunt, did you have to call the Coca-Cola factory to get a tag or how oh, it work? Yeah, that's what somebody said. Well, there goes the Coca-Cola commercials. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's something I booked four years ago. Oh wow. So that's yeah. a lot of planning then. Yeah, well, I was supposed to go two years ago, but COVID kept me from going up there. Yeah. Now, where exactly were you hunting at? uh, I was up in uh, Greece Fjord. Uh Uh-huh. And it's it's the 
farthest village north that you can go. In, in North America? Yeah. Okay. Yep. And uh, it's cold. It was, I bet. Highs <laughs> were uh, around 10 below zero, and then it was around 25 below at night. And um, the first six days I was there, I didn't, we had to stay inside because it was uh it was a whiteout it was snowing and had like 30 mile an hour winds 40 mile an hour winds and, dang that's dangerous and, and 25 below oh yeah you hate to go outside for very long how did um, you even prepare for that or knew what to take like gear wise like, what, what did you have I, yeah i have i have quite a few friends that have done it uh -huh. that i've got you no know, just like from going to the sheep show and and stuff like that and, and uh so I was able to, you know. I think signal's cutting out. Oh, you cut out a little bit. Can you hear me? Oops. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you now. <laughs> uh, I mercy. Let's see. Hold on, y'all. Stick with us. Let's see if this helps. All right, can you hear me yeah. now? Yeah, right, I got I you now. You. I gotta say, I'm out in the sticks. The signal is kind of spotty. <laughs> oh, oh. Now, as I like I said um, about the polar bear hunt, how to how we get going on that? Um. Well, I I uh, uh, told my wife I went on a grizzly bear hunt in Alaska. Uh huh. I told my wife if I kill a grizzly bear the very first time I go out, the very first hunt then I'm going to book a polar bear hunt when I get home. And, uh, cause usually it can take the, for bow hunting, it can usually take four or five, six times to get a grizzly bear with a bow. And, uh, I was lucky enough to get one the very first time. Wow. I so, definitely want to hear that story too. <laughs> I'd love yeah, to do yeah. that, but I don't know, man. I'd be, <laughs> God, I'm nervous. That's a big old bear. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, they're neat though. I mean, they're just, so I, uh, I, I got that bear and then I uh, come home and went to the sheep show and I uh, booked a polar bear hunt. Heck yeah. Um, <laughs> and the way it, yeah, and it, it ended up turning out good. It was, I was actually gone 20 days and I only hunted a day and a half. Dang. So I was stuck indoors and stuck in hotels and it's, it takes for me to get there living in Michigan. It took, uh, Three days to get up to Grease Fjord, where we put out on the ice. Dang. Like, well, I had a resolute bay and stay the night. Fjord the next day. And... That's a lot. I bet you're dog so, tired after that. Probably didn't feel like hunting. Oh, <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it was. I in going actually going from Ottawa to Grease Fjord, you got to stop in three other villages first uh -huh. before you even get before you get to Resolute Bay. I get acclimated, so, so yeah, it's fixed to get a whole lot worse as we oh, go out. Oh, it's cold, yeah. Oh, it's just it's just cold all the time when you're you know when you're not used to it. You die up there. Oh, for sure. My, I was born in Fairbanks, Alaska. My dad was in the Air Force. Oh, yeah. oh, okay. You've, you've been in cold. <laughs> oh yeah, I was too young to remember when we moved back. I wish we would have stayed up there, but that's just me. <laughs> yeah, then you would have been able to hunt a lot. Yeah, I know, right? Hunt a lot of different stuff, cheap. <laughs> For real. Yeah. And 
on sleds and I rode on the back. I rode on a wood sled and, uh, we, we were, uh, 40, about 46 miles out on the ice. And, uh, then we, that was, and there was a abandoned, the first, the first five days I was in a little plywood shack that was about 10 by 12. Mm-hmm. That they drug out onto the ice twenty miles out. Is this on the and ocean? We, I, I'm taking. On the what? Is it like ice on the ocean or like a lake? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sea ice. Oh yeah. wow! Dang. Yeah, it's about, and he said it was about ten foot thick. Holy crap! Was. Uh, That's insane. Oh, it doesn't melt till July. Dang. It melts just a little bit and then starts freezing again. Man. Now, were y'all just hunting like seal holes out there or just kind of, how are y'all doing it? Icebergs, great big icebergs and they glass. And they saw some sows and cubs. We did that for that one day I hunted actually. The main one, I hunted, we left in the morning and we traveled for hours looking, but finally he saw a bear, a single and thought maybe it was a boar, long, long, long ways out. And by the time we got over there and found the tracks and he decided it was a big, big boar to shoot that we took after it and we tracked it for hours and, uh, finally caught up, caught up with it and made a big circle out around. And I got off, I got out and moved in. It was in some taller sea ice and moved in on the ice. And he, uh, walked out in front of me at about 20 yards and I shot him. Holy cow, man! That is epic. <laughs> that is freaking awesome. And, uh, yeah, I I laced him, and he was he was down in forty yards. Dang! It, I, it, the first question: yeah. What kind of what poundage and what area we're shooting? I shot him, yeah, I shot him with a fifty-five pound uh, Black Widow PMA with carbon limbs. Mm-hmm. Um, I shoot traditional only bare bow arrows. They're a white arrow that's uh, Eastern Axis. Oh yeah, those are good. Yeah, and uh, and then a G five Montech broadhead. That's exactly broadhead I, I just, use. I love it. Yeah, I, I've had good luck with them, and uh, my arrows weigh four hundred and eighty grains. That's that good. Shoot. And that's for me to take down a polar bear that quick. I don't even know if a rifle could do that. <laughs> yeah, cool. it, it zipped right through him and stuck in the snow and ice on the other side, and that's and, awesome. Now, how do they get it? Now, are you, do y'all bring back? How did you bring it back? Or are you getting it mounted or baited into a rug? Uh, you you can't bring any parts of a polar bear back into the United States. Really? That sucks. Yeah, it's illegal. Yeah. Dang, why is it considered a protected animal, I guess? Well, the U.S. considers it threatened. And so they won't let you bring any back. The U.S. and I guess Mexico. You can bring, you can import them anywhere else in the world, except the U.S. Dang, that sucks. You couldn't like get measurements on the skull to like get someone to like 3D print one I'm or gonna, something. I'm gonna see about getting a reproduction made of the skull. Yeah, because I have something. the skull going to a taxidermist, and they make reproduction polar bears now that are really, really good. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, it's still I mean, that's re- pretty much what it is anyway. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, but they, the the trouble is, 
if you have if you have the actual hide, you can get a full body mount probably for about I don't know maybe about seven thousand dollars. A reproduction is about eighteen thousand dollars. Oh my God! Yeah, I'd go with yeah. a real one then. <laughs> yeah. Holy but, crap! But I can't, and that's for a full body and stuff. But I'm going to see what it is. I might just get a shoulder mount done. Yeah, but that's a polar uh, bear. You need that standing in the living room. <laughs> yeah, I I already. I already have a brown bear, a nine foot six brown bear standing in the living room and oh, next wow. to the fireplace. I bet that can and, scare uh, you walking at night, not thinking about it. <laughs> Just turn the corner. Yeah. <laughs> Where'd you kill him at? In Alaska? Can you hear me? Yeah. Yep. Sorry about the signal, man, but I was saying, where'd you kill that brown bear at in Alaska? Lord have mercy. Still losing you there, huh? Can you hear me now? Yeah. All right, I got you. I was asking, uh, where did you kill that brown bear in Alaska? Yeah, down on the peninsula. Okay. Uh, I shot it. Uh, it was sitting on a mountainside just watching streams that had salmon in them. Mm -hmm. And then the, you'd see a bear coming down. It was big enough you'd go after it. Dang. And I snuck in and got into... Uh, I actually ended up shooting it at 20 yards also across. I was on one side of a river on a bank and it was on the other side. Do you carry a firearm with you? I had a guide with a rifle. Oh, okay. You, you can't, you got, if you're not, if you're a non-resident of Alaska, you have to have a guide for brown bear, grizzly bear, doll sheep and mountain goats. Yeah. I remember for the ghost, but I know that's how it was for the bear. Yeah. So that, that one, uh, I actually got lucky on he he uh, he was coming down in the river, and he got ten yards from me, and he stood up on his hind legs and looked, Ooh. and he he didn't he knew something was up. I think he smelled us or something, mm -hmm. and he went back down in the river and he started running up the river, and I just bent over and I grabbed my head. And I thought I thought because you, you just don't get opportunities like this, and. Uh, and I couldn't, I had too much brush in the way to shooting. And, uh, he ran up on the other bank and he, the guide starts poking me with the rifle saying, he's coming back, he's coming back. And I look and he's up on the other side, he's growling and he's snapping his teeth and he's standing on his hind legs looking for us. Cause he, he just knows, feels something's up. Yeah. He's ready to kick some ass. <laughs> he kept, yeah. He kept moving down the bank till he got right dead across from me. And I had tension on the string and aim, and I only had a triangle that was about maybe 12-inch sides on it, right dead center in him, but he was quartering towards me too sharp. Uh -huh. And I sat there watching that hole and watching that hole. As soon as he turned to, to move, I came to full draw and shot him. And he only went about 100 yards and, and uh, fell over. What's so, it like, though, just being something around? Is that just that primal feeling of like, oh, shit? Kind of like when you yeah, only I, step on a rattlesnake? <laughs> yeah. No, I tell you, I don't get I don't get excited and shaky or anything when I shoot animals anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, it's all afterwards. Uh, when, I'm, when I'm done, my knee's shaking and I'm breathing hard, you know, and, and adrenaline and stuff after everything's all over. But I'm, right now... I'm, I'm, I can keep pretty calm 
Yeah, you've uh, had enough practice. You know, you've had enough time to saddle to do to get to get business yeah. handled. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I I think that's what it takes because I get a lot of guys asking me how I do it. In fact, my guide after I shot that brown bear, he says, "How did you stay so calm through that?" And I said, "I think it's just from hunting a lot, yeah. get, getting older and hunting a lot, yeah, <laughs> getting that experience." Yeah, yeah. Now, how many brown bears have you harvested? Is it just that one? Just the one. I've been on two brown bear hunts, and I've harvested the one. Okay. And and then the grizzly bear, and, and one time for the grizzly, and then one time for the polar bear. So. Okay. Now, black bear, where do you hunt for black bear at? Got those in Ontario. I'm a few of those in Ontario. I shot, I shot one in New Brunswick, too. Okay. But I'm going up a Come on, go up bird going to a place that's uh, supposed to have some really really good sized ones I'm like to get a get a real big black bear I've never shot one that's real big so I bet I heard they growing big especially white tail up there I've always wanted to go up there like with Saskatchewan it looks like a mm-hmm. horse with little antlers on it <laughs> yeah 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 sometimes up there I think when you see them on TV the antlers don't look quite that big but I think it's because they're really big body deer yeah they are pushing probably 300 pounds yeah yeah <laughs> but now kind of gear wise getting to uh, kind of going back to the polar bear hunt i'm going to jump around what like what clothing and how did you layer up just for people ever wondering who's going out in cold conditions if they could handle that they should be fine you know yeah i i i i wore uh all sitka gear i had the core on uh, the first layer, I'll go from the first base layer out. I had core on. Then the next layer, I wore Traverse uh, long johns and shirt. And that Traverse stuff is some of my favorite pieces of uh, sick gear. I, I wear them all the time. I wear them just as shirts when I'm elk hunting. Uh-huh. Uh, they're they're kind of cut the wind a little bit stuff. They're not meant to, but also the Traverse stuff, uh, uh uh, mosquitoes can't bite through either, which I wasn't worried about that polar bear hunt. But, <laughs> yeah. um, but, yeah. uh, and then after that, I wore, I wore a a puffy jacket, a heavy puffy jacket from Sitka, and I wore they call Stratus bibs, and they're a Gore-Tex, uh, like a, for it's actually for uh, tree stand hunting with Gore-Tex in it, one stopper. Mm-hmm. Uh, jacket and pant bibs and that's that's the that's the key layer right there with the uh, Gore-Tex and uh, duck uh, down and yeah static uh, insulation in it yeah for uh, sure build that heat yeah. heat that in a little insulation bubble right there yeah and that I wore that and stayed fine um, I wore their blizzard blizzard mittens too but i did put hand warmers in those mm-hmm. and i wore some baffin boots that that's what all the inuits wore up there actually i showed up up there with a boot that they love and wear and my feet still got cold in fact my feet got numb three or four times Neesh. um when i was out there but i think it was because my feet were sweating because mm-hmm. we take time at night my insoles would be all wet you could actually see sweat running on them yeah. so i kind of think feet were sweating and that's what was making them 
because I could go for a lot of hours and then my feet would get cold and, and just get worse and worse to where they were numb. Did you ever get any frostbite on any areas or anything like that? I got it up on my face next to my right eye. I got one little patch there. Well, that's luckily that's all. (laughs) Especially with sweating feet. That's pretty dangerous cocktail there. (sighs) Yeah. In fact, the day I shot my polar bear, um, I thought maybe my feet were going to be frostbite because it took hours to get back. And, uh, we were out from like 8.30 in the morning. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can okay. hear you fine. You're coming in good now. What Now, what, is the, what do y'all do with the polar bear? Does the Inuit people take it? and they, Do they eat it or what? In recent which uh, there was a Quonset hut there we stayed in. Uh-huh. So it was... We had heat in there and, and that, so it was only where we were sleeping and stuff was nice. They they could were heating it, um, so you could dry things out at night, stuff like that. Yeah, I, I bet, man. But that's cool. At least I don't know if y'all be intense or what, but I looked at some pictures and I was like, at least there's a little like an American hut or something. What was that from? Just from a sign or a study for scientists or something? You mean oh that yeah? I don't know. I don't know what they were studying in there. I don't remember. Yeah. Well, I was just wondering. I was if it was like a little hut for like some scientists yeah. or something like that. Yeah, a little Quonset hut. Um, but it was nice. It was great. I <laughs> bet. You know, that. It was that or we were going to be pitching a tent. Yeah. Sleeping up nice in a tent. So. What about food-wise? Because what did y'all do up there? Well, this was crazy. I, I was worried about what they were going to service. And uh, I was worried about having to eat seal and stuff like that, you know. And, yeah, the mountain house had, get old quick. Oh, and mountain house. I thought maybe that, and I could live with that. I've been on plenty of hunts where I ate mountain house for for ten, twelve days, fourteen days. But that guy, they showed up with T-bone steaks, big pork chops, damn, barbecued <laughs> chicken, barbecued uh, 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 ribs, pork ribs. No, that's a hunt. Uh, vegetables. Uh, it was, yeah. And then they fried potatoes. Everything frozen there. Anything left outside frozen. So, dang yeah, man, that's that makes a good hunt time. though. If you got a good meal to come back to, oh, it gives you the and, whole energy to go the next day. Oh, and that that guy could cook. My Inuit guy could really cook. And some of the stuff I. I, I don't know what he was using and putting in exactly for spices and stuff, but uh, it was excellent food. Absolutely excellent. Shoot. I know when I go on like a five-day hunt for whitetail, I try and do a couple hunts a year here in the season. I don't have to season anything. After walking around in the mountains all day, it's just bear meat tastes good. You're just craving that fat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah, I know. After, when you go and you, I go on hunts where you just eat dehydrated food, like sheep hunts, we'll, we'll have a package of oatmeal in the morning and a few bars for lunch, and then uh, dehydrated food at night. And boy, anything, anything would be good. Yeah, that first That's cheeseburger when you get back is like manna from heaven. <laughs> oh, yeah, after doing that for about ten days. Now, talk about sheep hunts. What uh, what sheep have you taken? Well, I I've been on five doll sheep hunts, and I haven't drawn my bow yet. 
Eesh. So that's that's turned in my arch nemesis. Hey, um, just saving for I, that big one. <laughs> yeah. Make it more I climactic. Draw, I did draw a bighorn tag for Wyoming. It took me, that's one, it took me, I think, 24 years to draw that. And I hunted 17 days with my recurve. And on the afternoon of the 17th day, um, I, for the first time in my life, I shot a high-powered rifle and I shot a really nice big horn at 525 yards. Yeah, man. Sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Don't miss an opportunity. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, it's a matter. I wasn't going to burn a tag. It took 24 years to draw. No, nah, you better be going home with something. Yeah. So I ended up doing that. And, uh, I, I, I was on sheep and stuff. Uh, one time I was sitting on a sheep for two hours waiting for him to get up and a grizzly bear come running down and ran him off. Oh, crap. Just stuff like that. I, I bet that was wind. cool, but that sucks. Yeah. I had wind kill me about three or four times. Oh, I could only um, imagine with those thermals rising and dropping. Yeah. Like and I had, I, I did have a half curl one, like the first day at 25 yards, 20, 25 yards or something. Mm-hmm. but i didn't want i passed him i didn't want to shoot him yeah i can understand um, that yeah so anyway uh that's why that's the extent of my sheep hunting is that big horn i shot with a gun and then five hunts with the bow on on uh and i could have i mean i was within 75 yards multiple times and stuff i was in the northwest territories three times hunting them and uh twice in alaska on horseback hunts I was say and, it doesn't sound like it's lack of effort. I'll tell you that. <laughs> no, no, it's I just just bad luck. Yeah. My arch turned in my arch nemesis. Man, uh, that's how hunting is. I mean, you gotta get those stars to the line, but when they do, it's just freaking awesome. Right? Yeah, I was fortunate on my bears, you know. Mm-hmm. But but with some guys, that gets to be their their tough one too. You know, yeah. it just you just never know. Yeah. Now, on some of these hunts, what's something you I know there's different there's highs and lows. You heat picks and valleys on a hunting trip. What are some tactics that you try to use to keep yourself in the positive mental state to keep on going? Yeah, um, sometimes you just hit that low spot where you're like, damn, this is kind of sucking, but then like thirty minutes yeah, from, <laughs> you'll be fine. Yeah, I, I just I just just I guess just how much up and, and if too tired or 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 wearing down and i start you know start saying you know uh and i've learned this from years and years and years ago we'd get worn down elk hunting and we'd hunt you know hard for really 10 days and go at it and you get tired and got i just want to go home i've had enough of this we're not seeing elk and you go home and you're home for a day and you're wishing you were back out there yeah, no, if I'm my, the time I got hunting, that's the time I'm hunting. I'm not leaving. I might sit at camp a day or something like that, but I'm, yeah, I'm going to yeah, hunt. Yeah. yeah. No, and so anymore, I kind of look at it, a lot of things like that, thinking, you know, if, if you know, if you, that, if you weren't here, you'd wish you were here. <laughs> yeah. So it's so, a love hate uh, relationship, especially when the humidity is like 100 down here in South Georgia during both season. Mm-hmm. can't even freaking breathe hardly <laughs> oh yeah the mosquitoes are buzzing as you're climbing the tree but i love no, it I've, I've been in some 
Northwest Territories one year sheep hunting. The mosquitoes were so bad. I've never been anywhere they were this bad in my life. And we we crawl in the tent at night, a little two man tent. Two of us would crawl in there shoulder to shoulder, and uh, we'd spend the first fifteen twenty minutes right after we crawl in there killing mosquitoes so we could go to sleep. Oh shit! I mean, you hated. You ate with a face mask over your head, and you'd lift up the bottom and quickly put food in your mouth and then cover it back up. That's how it was. We went on a – it was first opening morning of archery season, and it, the sand gnats were bad, the mosquitoes. But luckily, we were using permethrin, and that stuff seemed to keep them away from us. We were just spraying it on the tent and everything. It worked eventually, but they still – they were kamikaze every now and again come in. Yeah, yeah. And these these – little cold or a little windy mm-hmm. it didn't take much to keep them down but boy when it was calm oh my god it, <laughs> yeah, was, it was absolutely awful they sound Just, the horn now I, i've been a few places they've been bad but that that was the worst i've ever been in was up there <laughs> that's cool now kind of getting into backpacks what do you use to pack out elk or what have you i use i use a kafaru now i'm running a kafaru muskeg Okay. I haven't bought nothing from here yet, but I'm wanting to get a pack here soon. And I don't know which one, if I should get a bigger one or something like Um, that. Yeah. I mean, getting a real giant one, like if you get a 7,000 cubic one, you're not going to load 7,000 cubic inches of Mm -hmm. meat in it. You can only carry so much. As long Um, as I could put a whitetail in it, I'd be fine. I mean, like I said, majority, uh, that's all I'm wanting. I, I, if I were you, you know, I mean, if you have a if you have a five thousand cubic inch one, you can do about anything. Well, yeah, that's what I got a military yeah. rucksack that I'll use now, but I'm just mm-hmm. wanting to kind of update my gear. You know what I mean? <laughs> you'll you'll find out buying a really good pack. There's a big difference when it comes time to carry a load. Yeah, I mean that uh, military pack's okay, but with the military, it went to the cheapest be cheapest bidder. So yeah. I want to get something worth a little bit. You know what I'm? Mean? Let's make a little more comfort. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Kafaru, I, I've been running Kafaru for quite a while now. They've exploded. I'll say that just yeah, for the last few they years. Got, they got a they got a really nice. And you can get any pack and put on there. Mm-hmm. You may, you may like having a, uh, I bought for, for, uh, I started, I'll get through this year's. And you cannot, where we were hunting, you're not allowed to leave your tree stands up. Uh-huh. So you got to put it up, take it down, put it up, take it down. And Kafaru makes a pack called a striker. And it actually folds. You can unhook it, fold it down, put your stand and steps and everything, sticks, between the pack and the frame, then tie it back up. And then you still got the pack loaded with your extra clothes or whatever you're taking out oh, there. badass. That's, that, that is really nice now are you talking for like a saddle setup or an actual lock on or a climber uh actual uh national lock on one okay well i hunt out of a millennium lock on they're a little bit bigger i I just mean it's the lazy boy of lock on man you can hunt all day in that sucker what i mean i i hunt out of like a lone wolf yeah those are a little bit smaller seat but it's still the Uh, smallest platform so it'd probably work yeah oh yeah yeah, it worked. Yeah. Um, they're they're that's what they're made for. There's a striker and a striker XL. 
and I recommend getting the XL. I got them both, and I recommend getting the XL. Okay. Uh, if you get one. That's what yeah. I've been looking at them. I've just been – I'm one of them guys. I'll research it, look at it, look at reviews and all that stuff before I pull the trigger on one. That's just how I am. <laughs> <laughs> and they're – you know, they're expensive, but every every bit of their packs are made in the U.S. Yeah. Everything. Well, they're Everything. in Wyoming now, aren't they? They're going to be uh, – in June, they're moving to Wyoming. Okay. Down between – I think between Riverton. Oh, okay. No, that's, they're good gear for sure. Maybe, maybe they're going to be in Riverton. I'm not sure now which okay. one I've had. But, yeah, yeah, I've been using – I've had quite a few different they, – they, they're – I, I can't even tell the difference between one I had 10 years ago and one I'm running now. I mean, they've gotten a lot better. Yeah. Um, the fit and it just, they're just, they're, they're great. A no, so their ergonomics seem very practical too. They don't have a lot of bullshit on them. They, they no. put on there what works and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. And they have, they have different packs, different options, a lot of different bags you can hook on them and that kind of stuff too. So, yeah. They're, they're definitely a good choice. And I, I have ran other packs in the past um, to know the difference, you know, between quite a few others. And they uh, they ended up being my favorite. I heard that. So uh, kind of getting into your business, what and when did you start building bow cases and tabs? Um, Rod Jenkins started Safari Tough uh-huh. um, about, uh, I'm trying to think when it was, I think 2000 seven or eight i asked him not too long ago and he told me and anyway rod rod's a in my eyes and a lot of other people's he's probably the best bear bow coach and he was the, the push country. archery isn't he a part of that yeah roots the roots part roots, he's okay. on there he's been in uh uh there's a series of dvds you can get called masters of the bear bow uh-huh. and it's all about shooting and stuff and uh there's five of them now and rod's been in every one of those uh he teaches clinics all over the country he's been to the yukon he's been to australia uh and uh everybody that goes to him definitely comes out better there's no doubt about it modern day robin hood then (laughs) yeah he he uh he's won world championships himself shooting Uh and he's coached lots of guys that have won Dang. Uh, world champions. Yeah. Yeah. He's special. I'm telling you. And, uh, him, you can, him, you can find that cause he used to own Safari tough. He still got a Safari tough email address. It's just rod at Safari tough.com. If anybody's looking, uh, looking to be coached mm-hmm. in that or, or, or looking for, they he'll take groups of 12 and it doesn't take much to get a clinic together Yeah. to, uh, find enough guys to do that okay that'd be pretty interesting i know some guys i got a group of guys down here that we shoot trad so i might might look into it one day yeah yeah he's down in alabama oh okay so he's probably close then i gotta say i'm five minutes from the florida line where i'm at oh (laughs) okay yeah he's down around decatur alabama but um anyway so he was getting getting to the point he just wanted to start doing more coaching and stuff and so I bought the business from him oh. and, uh, everything was being made down in Alabama and I moved it up here to Michigan. Mm-hmm. And so I'm making, I have, if you go to Safari tough and it's, it's S A F A R I 
P-U-F-F dot com. Um, that's where you can look at all the products I carry and the different kinds of bow cases, depending if you got a two-piece longbow, three-piece longbow, mm-hmm. um, recurve. I make all different lengths. Um, I started building bear bow cases now. All them guys shooting like IBO, ASA, they're using those long, long riser yeah. bows. And uh, I build a case now just for them that's uh, 76 inches long. See, that's why I've been, I'm wanting to get a case for my longbow, but I, I shot ASA back in the day, and I that was back when maybe there was like 30 classes. <laughs> it was like back in the early 2000s. Yeah. That was before they even had traditional archery or the crossbow division in there. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, and so I... Uh, Are they soft I, cases or like hard cases, or do you have both? Uh, they're soft. They're soft cases. My, my main case that I sell is called a transformer Mm -hmm. and what it's made for there's zippers on the side and depending if you're left or right-handed you open the zipper and if you have a one when the quiver when the whole case is wide open uh to carry your bow strung and you open the zipper and you can stick your fletching if you have a bow quiver you stick your fletching out the side so it doesn't lay in there and get matted down ah i like that that's cool yeah and then uh, especially for, I use this thing for traveling and I mean, that's it. If you like for me, when I'm flying somewhere hunting, I take two bows. I, they're, they're apart. I slide, uh, the, all the limbs in some fleece sleeves I make uh-huh. and I slide a riser in a fleece sleeve and then the other riser doesn't need it. I lay them in this case and the ends fold up after you laid your takedown bows in there, the ends fold up. The ends buckle together, and then there's two straps that go around the whole thing to pull it together to kind of keep it so they aren't sliding around inside and that. I like that. And, That's smart, uh, especially on airlines, man. You know they're going to be yeah, rough with it. You give it extra padding. And I buy a, I buy a 36-inch case, or a 36-inch case, and a case in there. I uh, buy a 36-inch soft duffel bag, mm-hmm. and... Uh, and you can lay clothes on top and bottom, and uh, no one knows you're hunting. Or, you know, you don't have to worry about people thinking, oh, I wonder, if, you know, dicking with your stuff. Yeah, that's they know you're hunting if they don't. Yeah. And then for my arrows, I make a back quiver called uh, Arrow Master. And what it is, it, it totally encloses your arrows, and there's a hole down on the bottom, actually, on the side towards the bottom where you reach in uh-huh. and you grab. You're, there's a foam down there to stick your broadheads into, but you reach in, grab the arrow, lift it up a little bit, and you pull it out. And uh, there's a, I call it a storm cover on the top, and there's an optional rain cover you get to cover that hole that's zippered. Yeah. And it keeps all your fletching dry. Dang, And your broadheads dry so they're not rusting. How many arrows can it hold? Like a dozen? Uh, you can get, you can get at least eight broadhead arrows in. Okay, I have a broadheads in there. You don't want to crowd it too much. Yeah, and if you look, if you're if you're just careful and stick them down the foam, and that you can get eight in there. Yeah, and that's more than enough. It's safe. You have I got a silhouette quiver on my bow, and I love it. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, but if you had that and just that on your pack, man, that's more than enough arrows for a hunting trip. Yeah, and I've got a I got a D ring, and that's what a lot of guys do too. Yeah, they take it just to haul arrows. Mm-hmm. And there's a D ring on it that. What I do, because I wear a pack so much, I hook a carabiner on that D-ring on the side and just hook it to the pack. 
And then okay. it hangs perfect on you if you need to to reach and grab arrows Dang. out of it. That's cool. I'll definitely check that out. I've always I've been looking for a back quiver just to have something different, you know. But yeah. uh, I'll definitely check that out. Yeah, and I just had a guy call today that he just wants it for shooting tournaments and stuff. Arrows around too. So yeah, that too. Because <laughs> it well, it'll protect his fletching if he is shooting in the rain and stuff. His fletching will stay dry. Yeah, that's. I really want to make the jump from feathers this year because that's what I've been using. It's done fine. But like I said, I've been caught in the rain, and it—you can tell—it it makes a difference. So I'm trying to go yep. to a softer vein, like we were it, talking earlier. Well, A A A A E makes that trad vein, uh-huh. and it's a really soft. It'll shoot just like your feathers. Okay. And it takes a little time putting them on. Um, they got a real narrow base on them. Yeah, I got and a bit so burger era Fletcher. So yeah, but you still—it's still because still, the bases are so narrow that. Um, and though they're soft veins, but, um, you just got to take your time putting them in the clamp mm-hmm. and then putting them girl. Okay. Um, but they, I, I shot them one summer. I went to Africa. I shot seven animals with them. Oh, and what'd you do over the there? I, I was, I was bow hunting in that, that particular hunt. I was bow hunting in Namibia wow. and, uh, shot Neeland and gosh, what'd they shoot there? I shot a couple zebras. Uh, I shot a mountain zebra and a Birchell zebra, two species of them. I didn't even know there was a difference. Yeah. And there's still another, another one too. I was just Um, wondering if it was any of the big five or anything like that. No, I hunted Cape Buffalo once and I shot one and I had a 75 grain steel insert in a, in a, a grizzly broadhead. Uh-huh. And when it hit, it only went into the ribs about a quarter of an inch. And the broadhead adapter that was glued into the broadhead busted in half. Oh my God. Well, you got to think their ribs are probably like a two by four. Yeah. Yeah. But that failing like that never should have happened. Yeah. But anyway, so we tracked that thing for miles. And and uh, I actually ended up paying a helicopter 400 bucks. The flight because once you shoot it, it's yours. Yeah, I mean, once you, you draw blood money. in Africa, that's yeah. it. <laughs> so I paid a helicopter four hundred dollars to fly and find it, and then we got in on it and shot it with a rifle. Hey, at least um, you got it, man. I got it though. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. cool. And I mean, to be honest, I'd be more afraid on a Cape Buffalo hunt than I would a lion hunt. Yeah, it's I don't know. I I, I don't worry about any of that. You know, yeah. I don't. Yeah, you I don't can't. ever worry about. It, it's just it's just talking because growing up, my uh, we y'all know if you're familiar with those old videos. It's called the Black Death. It was this, oh yeah the guy who would let him the animal decide if he wants to die with honor or not, and let hippos and Cape Buffalo charge him, and he's shooting. He was, <laughs> that was all. That was all. They were doing that. They were wounding them animals and making them charge. Yeah, I wouldn't it doubt was, it. That was a terrible thing them guys were doing. They're shot to death. The one I'm thinking is called shot to death, I believe. Yeah, this one, I just remember calling Black Death, and this guy, he would take people hunting, and if they didn't put it down, and I just remember this one, there was this hippo, and it was sitting down in the water, and all of a sudden it looked like a, tie, or like a Yukon just coming out of the water, man. It was ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. There there were some videos that went around that got some bad press. I, it was quite a few years ago, but... Them guys were actually wounding those animals and aggravating them on purpose to get them to charge. I wouldn't so doubt they could it. Get, so they could get that footage. Yeah, it yeah. stunk what they were doing. 
No, I wouldn't doubt that one bit. But uh, I've had some cousins that were missionaries in uh, Zimbabwe, and they've always said if we want to go hunt kudu, let them know. And that's I wouldn't mind doing that. But with COVID and yeah. this one, I don't like flying that much, even though I've been flying like crazy the last month. It's just, I don't know. I'll rather hunt yeah. North America than I might make I, it to Africa. Yeah, I, I was supposed to go to Mozambique last year, Cape Buffalo hunting. And uh, through about two months before we were leaving, they banned all bow hunting of uh, dangerous game. Really? So that, was that, that just like an animal activist thing, or I don't know. The government just banned them. I I don't know. Damn. I mean, those four countries like that, they lost a lot of money us not coming over there. So yeah, I I don't I don't know why they did it. You know, it was just bow hunting. So I I don't know. Um, I've been to Zimbabwe three times, and the first two times was back in the nineties, and it was a great great place to go. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I was supposed to go there this third time uh, about about three years ago, maybe four now. Um, I was we were supposed to go there. Me and my buddy Danny Sturgis Jr. and he was going to hunt leopard, and I was going to hunt Cape Buffalo. And uh, two weeks before we were leaving, uh, Zimbabwe banned bow hunting thick skin game, so I couldn't no longer hunt. Oh, Buffalo. so the outfitter made me a deal i couldn't turn down a little more money to hunt leopard and that was going to be over baits at nighttime sitting in ground blinds that were dug dug down into the ground uh-huh. and anyway we were getting ready to get ready to leave and we found out that because we both shot traditional equipment it was illegal to shoot leopards with traditional equipment it said compound only on the permit oh my god and we're leaving in two days and so the outfitter said not to worry that he would go to the government and he would get us waivers to use our traditional bows but we had to write up resumes about how long we've been bow hunting how many and with all the different animals we've taken and where we've hunted and all this so we both had to write up resumes and send to him email to him he took them to the government and the day we left, we still weren't sure if we were going to have waivers or not. And we told him we weren't coming without knowing we had waivers. And he begged us and begged us and said he knew we were getting them, that it was going to go through. So we did go there. And uh, he, he got them. But it's just it's just crazy all the things that can happen. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of factors to go. And once you start traveling like that, man, Lord yeah. forbid if you lose, they lose your shit. And if you're not, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, you just got, you know, and, and getting mad and getting excited and worrying about everything won't do any good. Amen. So, you know, you just got to say, oh, that's the way it is. That's part of the hunt. Yeah. Uh, just makes the story that it. that much better when you tell it a couple years down the road. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Gives you something to talk about. <laughs> um, uh, so, you know, I don't, I don't ever worry about any any of that kind of stuff anyway if things go wrong and actually that leopard hunt we baited for 14 days and never got to hunt because mm-hmm. we could get a leopard hitting the bait and Did uh, they allow you to kill an impala or something or they just have their own no bait? we we did hunt we did hunt hyenas one night Ooh, that'd be cool but we heard them and we just didn't get its opportunity 
we each went on different nights, but uh, uh, no, we just, it, we, I call it, it was a 14-day camping trip in Zimbabwe is what it turned out to be. And, but sometimes, and, uh, which it ain't about like freezing for fishing or hunting. Sometimes it's not about the fish or animal. It's just really about being out in the woods for me. Sometimes you just get that mm-hmm. meditation, I'll call it. Because, I mean, that's what it is when you're sitting in the stand for eight hours. Yeah. And actually, the day we left, uh, they picked up somebody else. And that night, he missed he he missed a leopard. And the next night, he killed one off the base that we put out. Oh, that's how it goes, though, man. And not only that, you remember that ordeal with Cecil the Lion? Oh, yeah. Real. That's where I was we in were, college we around were staying, then. <laughs> we were staying on that farm where Cecil, where that all took place. Oh, shit. On that ranch, or that piece of ground. And we could not hunt there. We had to drive off that piece of ground to hunt. So That's it, crazy. It, just ridiculous. Yeah. It is. Especially, I'll tell you what, when the world goes to shit, people are going to rely on the damn hunter. They're going to realize there ain't too many of us, but we can take care of it. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's things just, crazy things happen everywhere, not just here, you know, you just, you just never know when you're dealing with those third world countries over there and stuff, it's, Mm -hmm. it's, you just don't know what can go on. There's a big X factor for sure. Yeah. But, well, man, we've been on about an hour and 10-ish minutes. I don't want to keep you too long this Thursday evening. Oh, (laughs) wow. Yeah. It's flying by. Yeah. But I really uh, appreciate you taking the time to come on, and the door is always open. If you got another hunting story or just want to come on and talk, we'll do it. Okay. Yeah, I appreciate it. I had a good time talking. Thanks for, uh, thanks for inviting me on. Yeah, man. If you want to, just uh, plug yourself real quick in your company so people, if they want to come check you out, they can. Yeah, you can uh hey, Randy Cooling uh, on Facebook. Uh, on Instagram, it's Randy underscore Cooling. And Facebook and Facebook and Instagram. I'm on Instagram a little more, but uh, Safari Tough is on Instagram, and you can go to SafariTough.com to see all the stuff I've uh, I have on there. All right, cool. I'll definitely be checking it out myself. But man, I want to thank you again, and uh, I really enjoyed it. This was fun. Yep. Thank you so much. You have a good evening. You too, man. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.